So what does wellness mean to you? Welcome back to Wellness Wednesdays. I'm your host, Eric Clark. This week, another special guest. We're going. We're hearing from uh, one one of the pioneers of uh, the lifestyle I've been living for a little while, and uh, a gentleman that uh, really need no, no needs no introduction. Welcome to the podcast, Mark Sisson. Thanks for having me, Eric. Great to be here. Um, you're dialing in all the way from sunny Florida. It might be a little bit warmer than Canada today, but uh, it's all about. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> But then you don't get the seasons like we do, so I'm I'm a little um, you know it's you, so you, so that so you got that on me I yeah. guess yeah but you 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 did grow up in the um in the East Coast and a little closer to to us um, oh yeah I grew and, up in Maine yeah so you, you so you you've been through a few winters over the years <laughs> I've been I've been through enough to know that I like uh, sunny climates better warm yeah. climates better yeah. I think most of us, if we had, if we, if we had the choice, uh, yeah. I think we would spend a little bit more time in the sun. Yeah. So, um, for those who don't know, Mark's been around for for quite some time. Uh, former uh, high end athlete and uh, been involved in the sport, and then got into uh, some nutrition stuff. Uh, and but I, I I'd love to get your take on on kind of how you got here and and running Mark's Daily Apple, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And Primal Health. Um, but so how, how does a young boy from Maine become kind of a, a bit of a, a nutrition and fitness icon now? Uh, well, started out just interested in health and fitness very early age, started doing a lot of reading in the sixties, uh, about what it would take to be strong and lean and fit and, and healthy and, um, got kind of, um, led into an understanding that, uh, aerobics was good for you. And so the more aerobic activity you did, the better uh, your heart was in terms of uh, resilience and the longer you would live. And um, at the same time, started reading about diet and nutrition and was led to believe that a very uh, high complex carbohydrate based diet was the way to go. So I embarked on a several decades long pursuit of performance, running lots of miles, um, becoming a top marathoner in the late 70s, uh, finished fifth in the U.S. National Championships Marathon in 1980, uh, got injured, uh, just overused, overtraining, and kind of uh, gravitated to triathlon, so became one of the early adoptees of long-distance uh, triathlon racing. In fact, Ironman Hawaii was my first triathlon I ever did. Um, finished fourth in 1982 in that event and then just sort of got kind of tired of all the miles I was putting in and and uh, realized that while I was pretty fit uh, and looked pretty healthy on the outside, it was kind of falling apart on the inside. I had osteoarthritis. I had tendonitis. I had irritable bowel syndrome pretty bad. I had um, – I was getting uh, colds and flu a lot, a lot more than I should have uh, and realized that something was wrong with my – with uh, the regimen that I'd put together based on what I'd been reading over the years. So I took a step back and and, um, had to quit racing competitively just because of the injuries and the illnesses and looked at what it would take to be as strong and healthy as I could be with the least amount of pain and suffering and sacrifice and uh, started embarking on a lifelong journey, if you will, uh, investigating ways in which foods can uh, make us healthy and fit as opposed to inflamed and 
uh, and sore. Uh, ways in which certain types of exercise can manifest themselves in putting on uh, lean muscle mass and burning more fat. And called upon my uh, background, I had a, I had majored in biology in college, and I was a pre-med candidate early on in my life. So always had that um, ability to do deep research and understand you know, how, how to put the pieces together. And then uh, in the late 70s and, um, and early 80s, evolution was starting to really take off as kind of a, a through point, uh, if you would, for, um, for understanding how the body works. And then coming into the 90s and, the, and early 2000s, as modern genetic science started to really take off, we started to sequence the genome, was able to put those two aspects together, evolution and modern genetic science, and sort of begin to understand how the things that we eat and the, and the activities that we choose to do and the, the way we sleep and how much play we get and how much sun exposure we get all impact how our genes turn on or off and create proteins that make us either healthy or sick. So that became kind of a cool um, basis of understanding that drawing upon evolution, I was able to put together this thing called that I called the primal blueprint, and it was basically a template, which uh, was a, s a set of kind of simple lifestyle rules or guidelines, if you will, that allowed us to, um, to live in a way that would manifest – ourselves as stronger, leaner, fitter, happier, healthier, more productive, uh, and less uh, sick and in pain. Uh, and this became the primal blueprint. Well, first of all, it became Mark's Daily Apple. I started writing about about these aha moments that I had in my research on my blog, Mark's Daily Apple. And after a couple of years of writing every day for a couple of years, I was able to put those thoughts together in, in books. That's the first one, which was the primal blueprint. Um, kind of took off, and from there, I've been—I think I've done eight books now. So here we are. Yeah. And so, how old? Uh, when was the whole kind of? When did you get start to get into those haha moments? And when did you start Mark Daily Apple? Well, the aha moments came in the early '80s as I was um, starting to train less and change my diet and eat more healthy fats and cut back on sugars, and realized that I didn't. My performance wasn't suffering from doing fewer miles. It was actually getting better. My health was getting better. Uh, and so that was one of the first aha moments. Then the, later on, I had a, an epiphany, if you will, when I cut grains out of my diet and realized that the grain consumption, for me anyway, had been what was largely responsible for my arthritis, for my irritable bowel syndrome, and for my immune suppression. So getting rid of grains was was the – real critical point in my life where I said, wow, this is this is crazy. I'm going to have to start writing about this and I'm going to have to start talking about this. Um, and, and you know, if, if I noticed such a transformation, I'm wondering how many tens of millions of people assume that grains are good for them and, uh, and may be having issues with that. So, so that's what um, prompted me to start in 2006 – to start writing Mark's Daily Apple and, and really putting it out there, uh, and then the book came out in 2009. And um, but you know, it's there. There was never really one, um, you know, one one when when the aha when I talk about aha moments, they sort of came sequentially, and it was in and of itself an evolution. 
um, and it continues to be an evolution. I mean, you know, the the revelations about the microbiome are only uh, four or five years. We're only four or five years into that, and prior to that, we didn't we hadn't paid much attention to the microbiome. Um, so, you know, now uh, in the most recent year and a half, two years, I've been doing a lot of experimentation with keto, with with ketosis, and and the use of that as a tool or strategy in in um, manifesting a much more metabolically flexible uh, uh, body. And, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it just continues on and on. It, it's not like there's one thing where I went, okay, this is it. And now I've got everything. And now I know what I'm, you know, what, what, how the body works. It, it's a continuous process of learning and relearning and sometimes tossing out something that I thought I knew, you know, five or six years ago. Yeah, and, and that's we live in a pretty cool time in terms of there's so much research coming out on a daily or weekly basis and uh, and you're right. But the thing is we look back about you know, we're like how how do we not know? But thirty years ago or forty years ago, none of this research was out. So we thought, you know, or or well and especially we were misled probably in, in a lot of the ways into thinking some of this stuff was um, well, you know, it's fortified uh, grains for cereal, it's, it's good for you, right? Yeah, um, exactly. But now we, we kind of take a, a step back and see, well, that might not have been the best thing for us. It's, uh, exactly. it's, it's funny how that it's, and now you're right. Like we're going to the kind of the next level, the microbiome, a lot of the, you know, uh, epigenetics, all that stuff that no one talked about, not even 10 years ago. Right. And it's funny too, because from from what I gather, I mean your your site and and your following has kind of grown organically. You know, it's been you know you started talking and and when you started, you were kind of going against the grain. To, to, oh my God, I was to, I was so out there on the fringe, yeah. and it's kind of gratifying to see so much of uh, in the last fifteen years that science has kind of started to catch up with those of us who were putting forth some pretty um, – what seemed to be preposterous ideas, but I thought at the time were pretty well thought, you know, ideas about how, you know, maybe saturated fat isn't the cause of heart disease or maybe cholesterol isn't as problematic as people make it out to be. You know, maybe maybe um, running lots of miles isn't as healthy as, as we might have thought. Maybe weight loss isn't about burning calories, but it's more about how you how you – you know, um, reprogram your genes to derive more energy from your own stored body fat, things like that, that, that seem so far-fetched to a lot of people 10 or 15 years ago are now starting to be um, sort of common, commonly understood to be the way it is. And what, what kind of response were you getting at, at first? Well, I mean, you know, I had, I had a lot of readers who were um, – they wanted what I was saying to be true because they'd had such – Terrible results trying trying it the other way, trying the conventional wisdom for most of their lives. So I had a lot of a lot of uh, people who were full on board uh, supporting everything I said, and then of course I had um, scientists and and some doctors go, well, you know, you know, you're you're just putting forth some um, some ideas that haven't been proven in in research yet. So they might be good ideas, but since they're not research proven, we're not going to uh, even give them any consideration at all, uh, and in, it's it's in that last the last ten years that the research has kind of come forward and started to prove that uh, a lot of the things that guys like you know Rob Wolf and uh, 
Michael Eads and and I were have been saying for a long time, uh, you know, David Perlmutter, um, a lot of these guys who have been kind of out there trying to <laughs> trying to change the way the world and particularly Americans look at health. You know, it's tough fighting the American Medical Association. It's tough fighting the uh, you know the American Diabetes Association and uh, uh, all of the you know the the long standing um, groups that have a lot invested in the way it was for a long time. Yeah, I mean it's it's the same thing in Canada, obviously on a, um, on a much smaller scale, but uh, same thing. Like I our our food guide got revised recently, but they're still you know advising grains and and uh, in a lot of and, and some sh- and a lot of fruit and so again it's uh, it's just very slow process but I think and I, I'd love to get your take on this I, I think people are, are starting to realize that there are other ways to, to eat healthy as opposed to you know the potatoes and you know pasta and that kind of stuff uh, but I, I still think for I, I still see it when I go to the grocery store you look at someone's cart and they might be a little heavier set, and yeah, of course I'm judging a little bit, but uh, they're still popping there. They're still cereal. They're still white bread, and it's like in this day and age, how can you not know that that's not good for you? Well, you know, I think um, big business and uh, government has done a pretty good job of making it okay um, to 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 buy those things, to buy those processed foods, those fortified. Uh, cereals. It sounds good when you yeah. buy a cereal that you know that that's got it's oats, fortified. and so it, it, it's, it's fortified. fortified. Yeah. Must <laughs> must be heart healthy. Yeah. Uh, it's been a tough, you know, c- kind of a, a tough um, environment for a, 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 a consumer who wants to do the right thing to make those sort of choices and and do so with the understanding that they're making a choice that they've that that's well thought. It's it's very confusing and very frustrating for most people to, uh, you know, to, to shop and to try to shop healthy. I think people want to do the right thing, but they're so frustrated and confused that they kind of throw their hands up and go, "Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just uh, going to have to do what I'm going to have to do." And by the way, a lot of people are shopping on a budget, right? And so when you see less expensive, crunchy, salty, fatty, sweet food, you know, you're more, I think. Probably more compelled to to spend less money, um, and particularly if again if it's if it's been advertised as um, somehow heart healthy or good for you or fortified, you know, kind of uh, overlook the science behind it and just go well. I guess you know if it says so on the label, it must be true. So now that we've uh, we've bitched a little bit about the uh, the food industry and the uh, I and I that's one thing I like about you is you're very solution driven. So uh, you're you know the blueprint stuff, the Prom blueprint, and the, you know the keto reset, all that stuff. It's, it's okay. That's that's great. That's where you're at now, but let's go into to a better place. What? Um, how would you describe Primal for for someone that's just getting into it? Well, I mean, I've always said that Primal is is. The whole primal lifestyle, the primal blueprint is contemplated for you to get a better experience of life, to enjoy your life. Uh, in fact, you know, our tagline is live awesome. And that means getting the most amount of enjoyment, pleasure, satisfaction, fulfillment, contentment out of every moment possible. Uh, it means 
obviously for a lot of people, it means getting rid of pain first because how can you have an awesome life if you're always in pain? So a lot of it has to kind of originate with dietary choices that cut down on inflammation, uh, that, um, you know, that reduce, um, the requirements for meds if that's possible and, uh, and to set the stage for having, uh, sufficient amounts of energy throughout the day to enjoy the process of living. Uh, but it means more play, uh, because I don't think adults play enough. It means getting more time out in nature, more sun exposure. Uh, it sometimes means digging in the dirt just to expose yourself to, to certain, um, uh, beneficial microorganisms. I mean, it really is kind of a, when I say it's primal, it's going back to nature. It's primary. And to the extent that people can do that, even though some of them might live in a city or some of them might live in the northern climes where there's not a lot of sun exposure available during uh, you know, most of the winter, it's finding ways around that. It's finding ways to incorporate um, movement, whether it's if you know, if it's like if you're up in the frozen tundra and you can't get out to exercise, it doesn't mean you can't, you know. Get on a treadmill or, or, you know, do some sort of, uh, movement. Um, have a stand up desk, you know, just don't sit all day. Uh, there are lots of, I suppose you call them hacks, but little workarounds where people can, um, just get, get, you know, have this ability to emulate the hunter gatherer lifestyle that was the, really what what caused the origination of our genes as we have them today. So we're basically, we're basically walking around with, with the genes of hunter gatherers, but we, we sort of have this sedentary lifestyle that doesn't provide the inputs to those genes to turn on, you know, the anti-inflammatory nature of the genes to turn on the genes that build muscle and turn on the genes that, that, that burn fat. So we have to kind of, you know, the primal blueprint is, is about finding ways to, to, um, to incorporate that into our lives. Yeah, and because of that, uh, now I have a, a a a big beard because I'm because I'm trying to become more of a caveman. So it's uh, <laughs> no, it's funny. I, I I wrote a post last year about how becoming a caveman really helped my life, and it's funny how those little things, spending time like I uh, I love spending time in nature, but it's just one of those things that you, unless you actually make a point, it's not something that's just going to pop out of nowhere, especially if if you live in a city. So getting those little um those little nudges here and there uh, i think has made a big difference in uh sun exposure is another one that's made a big difference in in my life um and so it it's i i think if you put your mind to it you're right like obviously living in canada is not as easy sometimes especially when it's minus 40 outside celsius so you know uh, below mm-hmm. zero uh, fahrenheit um it's not as as inviting to go outside and going for a run as as running in 80 degree you know in shorts but uh, there are always ways, you know. Obviously, I play. I'm from Canada. I play hockey, so this is a way to. It's so get funny you say that. Obviously, I, I play hockey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Canada, so obviously I play hockey. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, there's other ways. You know, there's you can go swimming in a pool, or there's there's a, there's different ways. But I think the standard for the most part is hibernation, especially in you know above uh, yeah. um, when it doesn't get cold. But I I find now some of them my favorite times in the winter is out snowshoeing even when it's minus 20 if you there's you know there's a, a saying that there's no bad weather there's just bad uh clothes choices so it's just like you know, oh, i love that yeah that's yeah. great that's no that's that's perfect yeah you, i mean you, you need to get a couple good decent layers but i i mean i've done uh, i've done races in minus 30 weather 
And it's just like, yeah, it's the first five minutes are probably not the most enjoyable, but once you warm up and, and then you get icicles in your beard and you get free, <laughs> free drinks for the next two hours. But, yeah. Um, one little silly thing before we get into some more, uh, 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 play stuff. What is, uh, LGN? You, you refer that a lot. And for people that don't know, well, why is that so important? Well, I mean, LGN is look good naked. It's kind of a funny little thing that we, we created a, you know, as a, it's a side effect, um, a side benefit of living a primal lifestyle. Um, cause clearly, not clearly, but I think in, from my perspective, um, so many people came to our site in the early days having been frustrated, uh, because they were in ill health and the, thing, the things that they were doing were not, um, positively impacting their health. So they were, they were, coming to Mark's Daily Apple as almost a last-ditch effort to, like, um, address their type 2 diabetes or their polycystic ovarian syndrome or their metabolic syndrome or their arthritis um, and started to incorporate some of the dietary changes and some of the exercise changes. And lo and behold, we're losing the weight and we're um, normalizing their blood sugars. And then one of the side effects was, oh my goodness, I'm, you know, I've, I've lost 40 pounds or 50 pounds or 110 pounds. Um, I look better naked. Um, that wasn't my intention initially, but dang, that's a pretty good uh, side effect or benefit. So we started talking about LGN, and um, you know, it's just, uh, I don't want to sound superficial, but looking good naked is part of, you know, part of your. Um, ability to to attract a mate or to you know to to uh, um, you know to have that part of your life um, dialed in and to like, once again to be more content and and uh, satisfied from uh, what life throws at you. Yeah, and I mean, uh, speaking of primal urges or primal needs, sex is part of that. And, and yeah, you're right. Like looking good naked will help you attract a mate or keep a mate or you know. You can also have fun with a mate. It's it's all part of the you know it's it's exactly. all part of, it's all part of life. Speaking yeah. of play, um, why why is play so important and, and why aren't uh, adults doing it uh, as often as as they they should? Well, first of all, I think adults aren't doing it as often as they think it, they should because they feel like it's a it's some sort of a a, a dalliance, some sort of a um, you know they're they're. It's supposed to be reserved for young people and children. And once you, you know, the assumption is once you're an adolescent, you got to get on with, with uh, more adult pursuits, and you shouldn't be playing that often. But um, in truth, humans, the human brain, is uh, wired to constantly be engaged in play um, throughout our evolution. Most of what happened as a result of play was a rewiring of the brain that um, had applications in real world situations so you could you know simulate um, being chased down by a predator and figure out how to you know how to escape escape routes and things like that so games like tag or just you know running around chasing chasing people or kicking a kicking a stone across the field or whatever it was um, had kind of real world applications uh, from a survival perspective but it's also because the human brain is so plastic and so uh, ready to learn and uh, throughout throughout all ages it does, never stops we never stop learning um, this this nature of play continues to be uh, an, an important part of uh, our growth I mean now it, you could say today that um, uh, 
many aspects of play have applications in the business world. So you could become a better uh, business person and develop a more uh, a stronger sense of how to navigate the world of business by spending more time engaged in play. And what does play look like? It doesn't have to be play outside. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, playing an, an actual game. It just could be um, kind of goofing around, running around outside. It could be doing uh, crossword puzzles. It could be, uh, you know, uh, playing card games. It could be uh, learning a new uh, an instrument or something like that. There's lots of ways in which we can play um, and lots of lots of um, the concept of play falls into a lot of different categories, but it still has this effect of of expanding our ability to use our brain. And obviously, with so much uh, emphasis on what happens later on in life and this this kind of recent surge of interest in what happens with Alzheimer's and dementia, um, it becomes quite clear that the more we play, uh, the more we use our brains, the uh, the less susceptible we are to those um, to the to that decline in in uh, cognitive uh, behavior yeah and it's all about uh you know use it or lose it right it's uh right and i mean whether it's, it could be as simple as reading it's uh i think that to me the concept of play is taking out time for that's not business focused or you know uh family focused or something and just doing something for yourself whether it's you know going for a walk in the, in the woods i think it'd be considered play like if you're just walking around and looking at the birds and and uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think overall we're we're very stressed as a as a society. So I, I think there's no better time to to introduce play. Uh, I mean, I be again like you said earlier because I'm Canadian, I play I play hockey, but I it's and or even just playing golf, which is a silly game if you think about it. You know, you're using a stick to put a little ball into the hole, and it's obviously it's not a huge cardiovascular thing, but for me it's such a nice mental break from the day to day. And obviously I'm getting some some fresh air and some sun exposure and uh but it, it's just just again going back to taking a break from your your everyday stress and just forgetting about it and just just getting out there and getting in a mental break it's, it's such a nice way well it's a great golf's a great example because golf you say you think it's a simple game but it's 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 one of the more complex games around because there are there's not just you know the skill involved in hitting the ball with the stick there's the strategy. Uh, there's the um, there's the acceptance of what happens with a bad shot. Uh, there's the um, you know the, the the requirement that you maintain a um, an objective, literally no attachment to the outcome, which is one of the definitions of play. Uh, and if you watch any of these guys who play professional golf you know golf professionally every shot is is completed and then it's on to the next shot there's no there's not a lot of second guessing there's not a lot of of um letting the mind get um upset by having made a mistake on the previous hole you can't you you can't be successful in golf unless you only focus on the current shot at hand. So golf, in some regards, is is a totally zen, in-the-moment kind of sport. Uh, and yet so many people will, you know, they'll have a, a great round, and then all of a sudden on the 13th hole, they'll get an eight or a nine, and then think, well, that's the end of my 
day I may as well quit because I was having a great round and now I've just blown it with one with one bad hole. But you watch some of these pros and sometimes they'll they'll come back from two bad holes and then go on to win you know win a tournament um, because they're in the moment because they're they've they're approaching this game the way I think you ought to approach life which which is that you know you take your best shot you have no attachment to the outcome you obviously you want it to go where you want it to go but if it doesn't happen that way you just take the next shot right so um hate to be monopolizing this conversation about golf but yeah. i think golf you know golf is not a trivial little pursuit it's a very complex game and it's it's a great metaphor for life in some regards yeah. oh and i uh, i mean i i love playing golf and and the thing i like about it the most is probably the fact that it's all encompassing it's very hard to do something else while you're playing golf right because you like yeah. it, it is a bit of a physical game but yeah. it's a huge especially in my case it's a huge mental game and you're right like you have i mean all the best players in the world the reason they're the best is because they can forget about the last shot last round last whatever and just do what they're they're supposed to yep. do yeah um one last concept that i'd love to to explore with you before um before we get off this call is keto or the way that you're you you've been reframing it and i've seen it in a couple other places metabolic flexibility what does that mean for the average person well metabolic flexibility simply means being able to get energy from whatever substrate is available at the time for your body. So it means being able to take energy from the fat off your plate of food or the fat off your thighs or the carbohydrate off your plate of food or the glycogen from your muscles um, or the ketones being made by the liver. And so most people um, don't develop much metabolic flexibility because they have access to so much glucose, so many carbohydrates around them all day long that the body just becomes really good at burning carbs and then just sucks at burning fat or burning or burning ketones. Uh, and some people can get away with that. Some people can look good naked. Some people can have you know fair amount of energy living in that what we call a sugar burning system um, for their entire lives. I mean, certainly I did it for 45 years as a endurance athlete. I was... Uh, you know, I was living uh, three to four meals a day, carbohydrate loading at every meal, um, always replenishing my glycogen, but never really, even though I was an endurance athlete, never that good at burning fat. So what happened, one of my uh, revelations, my aha moments was that uh, I started to read the research on uh, low-carb eating styles and realized we don't really need to take in that much carbohydrate. It doesn't require that much carbohydrate to live a, a very energetic life. Uh, and so the initial um, the initial concept of the primal blueprint was that once you get rid of sugars, sweetened beverages, pies, cakes, candies, cookies, desserts, and other things like that, um, and you just are left with lots of vegetables and some fruit, maybe a couple of root tubers once in a, once in a while potatoes sweet potato turnip something like that that you it be you're you're hard pressed to exceed 150 grams of carbs in a day uh and and if that's how most of our ancestors lived for the first two and a half million years of human evolution rarely exceeding 150 grams of carbs a day on average um then that's how we're that's how our metabolism is set up and it just means that by cutting back on all those excess carbohydrates, we 
we kind of force our bodies to become a little bit better at burning fat. And so for the first 10 or 15 years of this experience, in my case, um, you know, I cut my carbs way back. I got rid of all those nasty sugars and processed grains and things like that and uh, become I became great at burning fat. I started doing research about two and a half, three years ago on ketogenic diets and what happens when you cut back the carbs even more and you force the body to start to um, accommodate the lack of carbs by creating ketone bodies, these, these great little super fuels that we all have the ability to make in our liver in the absence of glucose, in the absence of carbohydrate. And so I, I did a keto experiment where I you know, went a couple of months just uh, keeping my carbs below 50 grams a day. And lo and behold, I, got, I had more energy, I had more mental, you know, cognition. I had, uh, I was able to put on a little bit of extra muscle, um, burn off even more body fat. I already had low body fat. I realized, wow, this is, I'm changing my metabolic flexibility. I'm actually able now to derive energy from my own stored body fat and create ketones. Um, if I skip a meal or three meals or whatever um, and not lose muscle mass and not lose energy and not get sick and not get hungry. Uh, and that was really the that big epiphany I had there about metabolic flexibility was I was developing this metabolic flexibility. Now, what that meant in the long term was that I didn't have to remain in ketosis for the rest of my life, that having spent some time in ketosis and in, and in this case, it was um, – my recommendation is six weeks once a year, twice a year, uh, to kind of reset the metabolism. That's why I called my book The Keto Reset Diet. To reset the metabolism, to increase the uh, amount of the number of mitochondria in the muscles, and mitochondria is where fat actually burns and ketones burn, uh, to, uh, to get to this point where you build the metabolic machinery that's able to burn fats and able to burn ketones. It doesn't rely on carbohydrate, glucose so much. So that even if you go out of ketosis um, and you have a day where you have 130 or 150 grams of carbs, um, you don't notice the difference in terms of energy. You don't notice the difference in terms of cognition. You've got this metabolic flexibility where the body can take whatever substrate's available, whatever energy form is available. Like I said, the fat on your plate, the fat on your thighs, the the carbs on your plate, the glucose or glycogen in your body, um, the to a certain extent even the amino acids uh, that are circulating in the body, but we don't want that to happen. We'd rather burn ketones first. So you become metabolically flexible. Um, you become metabolically more efficient, which means you, you get more energy from fewer calories, which is kind of a cool concept to think that, that I now um, – do I thrive on 30% fewer calories than I did, say, five years ago just because of the, 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 the metabolic flexibility that I have built, the ability to extract energy from stored body fat at a higher level, the ability to create ketones and use those and not have to uh, rely on, on external sources of glucose to fuel my brain. Those are all very cool kind of next-level things that we talk about with metabolic flexibility. I like it. Well, it's something I, I've been experimenting on my own for the last year and a half, and I, I've seen very, very similar results uh, to you. It's uh, and even in, uh, I mean, I was a bit of an endurance athlete, not in your realm, but uh, still got to do a couple Ironman and a couple marathons. Um, 
and back then that was the same thing. I was just feeding myself because you, 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 the everyone was talking about how you have to carb load to do anything above an hour, and but now I can do you know a five hour bike ride on a cup of coffee. Uh, there you go. Or yeah. a, a two hour. I mean, I've done. The, I did a half marathon last year on uh, some exogenous ketones and uh, and some coffee. So it's in, and I'm not a little guy. I'm about you know 250 pounds. So if I can do it, just about anyone can do it. So, but you're right. You do have to build that metabolic metabolic flexibility. But once you get there, life is much better. Yeah. Uh, two more questions to let, uh, before uh, I let you go. Because I know you're you're a busy guy. I got to run a whole food and coaching empire. And uh, um, one is a question I ask all my guests. Um, what does wellness mean to you? Uh, well, wellness means freedom. It just means um, empowerment. Uh, it means the um, – again, the ability to extract as much pleasure and enjoyment from every moment possible. I like it. Succinct to the point. And that's, why, that's one of the reasons why I really resonated with the primal stuff because it's – Yes, it's about looking good and, and doing other stuff, but the main part is how to get more out of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know it's probably a little bit more gimmicky to say, lose 12 pounds in, in 10 days or something. But you're like, no, no, let's just get more out of life and then whatever that means to, for you. So I. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, when people say, when you say people are going to lose, you know, 12 pounds in 10 days or 10 pounds in 12 days, yeah. um, that's, you know, it's like, what, what is that? What does that mean to you? Well, it means that at some point I'll enjoy life better, either because I'll feel better about myself or I'll have more energy. So, so the 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 benefit of the benefit is still there. They're just selling, you know, that that sort of first superficial level. But but the benefit is you're gonna you're still gonna feel better. Um. So where where's the best way to connect with you on on the social networks? Well, Mark Staley Apple is the blog and um, PrimalBlueprint.com. Is our site where we sell a lot of our um, the world's healthiest sauces, dressings, toppings. Uh, we have a you know the world's healthiest mayonnaise and and salad dressings. Um, also, you know, in all a lot of stores in Canada are now carrying those products as well. Amen. Um, and then uh, you know on Instagram, I'm uh, I'm Mark Sisson Primal, and yeah, I'm on Facebook as. Uh, same thing, Mark Sisson. So I'm, I'm <laughs> just Google me. You'll be yeah, able to yeah. you'll be able to see and where I'll, you can connect up. I'll link to all these in the in the show notes. Yeah. But uh, yeah. again, I want to take uh, uh, I want to say thanks for for coming on. I know you're you're a busy gentleman, and um, I, it's slightly selfish because you've been a, a big part of, uh, especially in the last few years, of how I've uh, changed my lifestyle to be a little more primal, and I've seen some huge benefits. I haven't done as much coaching as I'd like, and that's one of the things I'm hoping to do in, in 2018. Um, but uh, again, thank you so much for everything you're doing, especially in the early days when you weren't uh, getting all the <laughs> when you're taking a lot of heat for it. Where now yeah. I think more, I think overall people are coming around a little bit more. But I hope uh, so. yeah. yeah, and uh, you've made some changes in in a lot of people. So uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing some of that knowledge today. My pleasure. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. Take care. You've been listening to uh, Wellness Wednesdays. I am your host, Eric Collard. Until next time, be well. 